Hello, and welcome to Inside Exams with me, Craig Barton. I've got 15 years of experience as a maths teacher, but I'll be honest, exams remain a bit of a mystery. This is the podcast that demystifies assessments and qualifications by hearing from the people who create them. I've been meeting fellow teachers to ask which parts of the exam process you particularly want clarification on. Hi, my name's Carl Thomas. I'm Head of Engineering and Technology. My question is, who writes the papers and are they all written by one person? Carl, you're right to ask that question. Because as far as I'm aware, the answers actually changed pretty recently. There are new Ofqual regulations. Their aim is to make the paper production process more robust than ever. Now the aim is for loads of writers to produce loads of questions and combine them into papers fittingly when the time comes. As an assessment banking manager, Ollie Woodfield is the man in charge of stockpiling questions. And Jenny Midgley is one of AQA's engagement and communications leads. I'm going to meet them to find out how their work is creating secure and reliable assessments. Okay, Jenny, I'm going to come to you straight off. Now, I believe the question paper production process is changing. Am I right? Why is it changing and what are the changes? You're right, it is changing or it it has changed. So we're currently now into 2021 production for the summer series. Yeah. And for that series, we've had to change various ways in which we create our question papers for a couple of reasons. We're always continuously improving our processes. So there's no reason why we wouldn't always be reviewing and ensuring that the way we create papers protects the quality for students. But um, there is a couple of new off-qual conditions. They're regulatory conditions. Okay. The biggie being G4, which is one of the reasons I work at AQA now. And G4 is all around the confidentiality of assessments and making sure we can protect that confidentiality and ensure that um, no serving teacher knows what's on any whole assessment on the day of an exam. Okay, so what what did it used to be? If I, maybe I can come to you, Ollie, on this one. Was was it the case that teachers would write whole exams in the past? Uh, yeah, that's um, essentially correct. It'd go through various quality checks, and other teachers would be involved in looking at that and making amendments right up until it's signed off, and then into the summer exam series when take it forward and they'll maybe edit the mark scheme to take into account student responses that perhaps not think so it's very sort of linear approach in that respect which makes a lot of sense right because I, I mean I, I speaking from a maths teacher I, as a maths teacher i can kind of see how with a maths paper loads of different people writing different bits doesn't matter too much but i'd imagine with another subject it's quite important to get a kind of flow throughout the paper so having one teacher writing it I, I guess was a bit easier was it or not i think when you look at that and i guess that's coming from sort of the student experience yes, is what you're yes. referring to there yeah. so that is a very important factor that we need to to look look at and ensure that not just the sort of flow of it but also how it's written the language used that the uh, construct that we're assessing is actually clear for them and that their experience is a good one I guess ultimately that the paper is is valid. Teachers are, the, are surely the best people to be writing this because writing the exams because they're teaching the content and so on. You're absolutely right and throughout all of this 
in the build-up to the introduction of the new regulations, uh, AQA were quite forthright in lobbying that teachers should be involved mm. in the production of assessment materials. It's imperative that teachers' experience in the classroom is current, relevant and up-to-date. Ultimately, we want the assessments to be as good as they can be and current in terms of what's being taught and actually things in the classroom change quite frequently so it's important that teachers remain relevant in that. How do you manage it then with the the need to get teachers involved but then we've got G4. Yeah and I guess I was looking at Ollie then and nodding loads because (laughs) I don't think that position's changed at AQA. We still definitely will we always want teachers involved Mm. so actually the programme that we work on, there's a couple of programmes actually which sit around the teams who are creating the papers to support them during times like this when you've got to make some changes because of new regulation or whatever that might be. We've been working really hard and the t- there's teams across AQA, including teachers who write exams and examiners, have all, we've all been working in collaboration for like uh, the last year at least since the regulation came, we knew it was going to happen. There's been loads of work done to find ways that we make mm. sure teachers are still involved and that we just mitigate against any risk. So it's sort of keeping the human yeah. element in there because it's so, so important to the quality of the exam and the student experience, but at the same time trying to reduce the element of risk that come, that's yes. associated with having a human involved. So how do you do, how do, you do it? Well, there's um, a few different things that we've been looking at implementing, and it's all about being doing it in a sort of controlled fashion over a sort of staggered period of time. We've gone about taking... A number of high profile subjects where we've produced twice the amount of assessments oh, okay. um, at question paper level and that's what we've we've done for a, a previous series so we've got a stock on the shelf if you like or a bank of papers there in a certain amount of subjects and then we're looking to a number of other mitigations around G4 which is extending what we've done there to other specifications qualifications can I can I just ask you I'm sorry to interrupt just about this this two sets of papers because this fascinates me Hmm. so uh, as a maths teacher obviously now with the GCSE we've got three papers paper one paper two and paper three I'm assuming it's not just the case that you can just have one spare paper to chuck into the mix you've got to have the full set of three right that's correct yeah wow that's and these are complete ready to go that gets goes under as much scrutiny as the ones that the kids already sit is that right yeah I mean um, they both go through exactly the same process in terms of getting those papers to the appropriate standard this is all around not knowing which set students are going to sit oh so, series, oh, so. so wait a minute so you uh, you don't even know which of these so let's say there's a set in this and a set b you don't even know which ones the kids are going to get uh well who, who knows that not yet so that'll be chosen internally whether they go forward as a sort of set or a mix and match but it's against protecting ourselves but also teachers that have been involved in writing those question papers and mark schemes so that they don't know which ones are going to be in a given series. So there's that element of not knowing exactly what's going to come up on the exam. I think it's really interesting because I joined AQA almost a year ago as part of sort of the crew that was brought on board to support with all of this work that Ollie's Mm. just described. And that kind of mitigation is huge. So that was the initial stuff we did sort of quite quickly had to turn it around to make that happen for the summer series that will that will occur this year yeah so june this year so actually once we'd gotten through that over that sort of hurdle we then looked at 
all the different ways that we mm. might take each of our specifications, how we might approach them differently. Okay. Because yes. that was a big undertaking. Jenny, can I ask you, so mm. we, we, we've spoken on, on inside exams, both in season one and also in season two, just how flipping hard it is to write these exam papers. Like everyone I speak to, it adds a new degree of complexity to it. Um, well, we've got the assessment objectives, we've got the line spacing, we've got the language, it's all, all kicking off. So do, do these changes that, that you're talking about here, do they make that an easier or, or a more difficult thing to put an exam together? Oh, well, the hope is easier. It might not be immediately easier. But of course, you know, we keep saying the word future proof, which we don't really say lightly. But the whole point of us making changes that we think will benefit is that we want to make things easier for people to write them. So mm. one thing I found really interesting when I started AQA was that said teachers are so pa they're as passionate as you know everyone who, who works internally sure. at AQA around ensuring that we produce something really great which I think always comes through like that's why I wanted to work for AQA in the first place however they they work in in so many different ways with AQA so they might work in creating the papers they might also do some marking in the summer so we've got this great resource of people and we want to make sure that when we make changes like this they work for them as well mm. so I think we've kind of tried to adopt an approach that is quite inclusive and, and draws them into the, the conversation before we actually do something. So we, one would call that engagement, which is basically just talking to people as opposed to telling them. It seems to me the message I'm hearing is that these changes are potentially a really good thing in terms of both the security and integrity of exams, but also the wider thing of potentially bringing more teachers into the writing process, which can only be a good thing. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. It's not just exam boards that create question papers. Every year, we all spend time putting mock exams together to help prepare our students for the real thing. So, how can we make them just as robust as exam boards make theirs? Ellie Upton is a science teacher. She was also head of science for 12 years and an assistant principal too. And I'm keen to find out whether she feels the principles Ollie and Jenny talked about are important in piecing together mocks too. Right, Ellie, we're going deep to start things off here. What's the purpose of a mock exam for you? In essence, it's a practice exam. It's designed to be very much like the real thing as possible. For the student, it's going to give the student a good idea of actually what to expect. Um, it's useful practice in time management. It motivates students to start the revision early, as obviously the further away an event is, the less impact it's going to have on the student. And summer exams, they might feel an absolute lifetime away for some mm. teenagers. So without mock exams, they might not start working or revising until Easter. It allows students to focus their attention and effort earlier. It enables what is known as distributed practice, i.e. revision little and often, revisiting concepts over a longer period of time, as opposed to cramming the night before. And this enables students to retain information in their long-term memory, because we know cramming can work in that students can hold information for short periods of time. However, information won't be established in long-term memory, and it becomes temporary. 
So, Can I just I'll just on that one? Because that's a big one now, this distributed practice, isn't yeah. it? Um, do you, how do you get the kids on board with that? How do you sell them on the dream of that? Because I, I get kids, and I don't know if it's the same as you, they're so chilled out the whole year, relaxer, I've got it sorted, I'll, I'll revise closer to the exam. And then they cram it all in and it's, it's an absolute nightmare. So how do you sell them on the dream that distributed practice is so important? I mean, what we do is we generally test them quite regularly. Mm. We do a lot of what is called walking, talking mock. Tell, tell me about those. Yeah, um, well, what walking... Talking, talking mocks actually are is where you actually put the students one hour a week mm-hmm. in the exam setting. So yeah. for us, that would be the exam hall. Yeah. And it literally involves giving the students an A4 sheet of information where you talk the children through it. You've got a visualiser, okay. you've got the projector. And then once you've done that, you get the kids to do like a flashcard. All right. And then once they've produced that flashcard, you give them two questions, which we take off the exam pro. Yes. And then they do that under exam conditions. And then they put that together. And then throughout the year, they have this, uh, they build up like a portfolio revision. And when we test them regularly, they're able to use that portfolio and actually they see how well it works. Yeah. Yes. And it's brilliant because the kids have something. They actually have like a hard portfolio that they can I use. See. Right. I'll tell you what I'm interested in here, Ellie. I want you to take me through and go as much detail as you like. How you actually put one of these mock exams together? Because I've, I've struggled with this, you know, and I've, I, I tend to do it on a bit of an ad hoc basis. I'll grab a question from here, a question from there and so on. But having spoken to AQA and, and been thinking a lot about assessment design across these two series, I'm not so sure I've been doing the right thing. So talk me through, how how would you put a a mock exam together? What's the first thing you're thinking about? Well, usually the first thing that we look at is we look at the secure material on the EAQA. Right, okay. But unfortunately, you do get people that will access that material and then they share it. Oh, like fellow teachers? or Fellow teachers, unfortunately. You have the ones that I don't know why they do it, but they put it there. They put it out to students. And this is from other schools, it. right? And it appears on it Twitter? Is from, and yeah, it yeah. appears on that. You, you Google it, you can find it on the internet. So it, it does take a lot of work. So what, what we tend to do is yeah. we do several things. Sometimes we use them straight from the restricted material if right, we're going to okay. surprise the children with, say, a mock exam. Like a complete paper. A complete paper, yep. yeah. But what we do is we quite often will change it, adapt it. Okay. So we might take one of the longer um, extended answer questions, yes. extended writing, and then change it for another. Oh. We might change the odd question. And again, that's quite useful because then it really highlights those who've had access to the mark schemes. Oh, that's um, right. So this is with the sole purpose. This is kind of chopping and changing. This is to prevent any students who've seen the, the entire paper and kind of essentially learnt it, ready to regurgitate it parrot fashion. It's it's to catch those out. Well, what, how do you know when you see a student's paper that, that this has happened? It can almost be paraphrased. It, <laughs> it, you, you almost have points like, has a student included or include two of these following points and then the students will include all of them. Oh, yeah. So that's I'm, a I'm, warning sign. Yeah, there yeah. is a bit of a warning. But some are cleverer and they will use the mocks. But yeah. And occasionally, you know, students will actually write the wrong answer in the wrong space where they've actually learned the papers oh, and mark schemes parrot fashion. Oh no, we've had that. <laughs> so so what we try to do is we try to adapt them somewhat. So what yes. we will do is occasionally we use different exams from different series. Okay. But again, the students can actually get access to those, which is really useful. It's yes. good the students can access past yes. papers. So what we do is we take some of them off Exam Pro, okay. which is a really, really useful tool, yes. and uh, we substitute them and ah. we swap them about. And, and 
the main thing is making that exam as real as possible for mm. our students. So that'll be the first mock we do. So is it just, just that, really sorry to interrupt you, it's, it's fascinating this, isn't it? I, I find this trade-off myself because you want kids to have access to as much mm. material as possible because kids, like, get practicing exams is super useful for them, as many different questions as they can, is brilliant. But then you also want to hold back certain ones so that, as you've spoken about, they can experience the real exam experience where they where this material is going to be completely unfamiliar to them it's it's a real balancing act isn't it it is it, yeah it definitely is and for that reason sometimes you will even adapt them with our department at the moment yeah. we're actually producing the six mark questions as practice for them and, oh. and sometimes changing some of the older questions that were on the previous specification yes. so they sit in line with the new specification because obviously the emphasis has gone a lot from the spag yes you know spelling punctuation yeah. grammar yeah. to being um the different banding patterns they're marked very very differently so we've done a lot of work on those which again has been really really useful sometimes we do pick certain questions with certain command words so okay and the reason for that is is because there's certain command words that students do struggle with Mm. and can you give an example of something um summarise or they all know describe and explain because they've been taught that from when they're younger but it's when they get a little bit more technical Summarise is an interesting one that isn't it? Yeah Yeah. so um, there's so many that they will struggle over and for that reason we tend to look at what command words the students have particularly ah. struggled with. I mean, in all our classrooms, we have the command words on the wall in every yeah, classroom, yeah. what they what they are, what they mean. Um, but what a very clever colleague of mine <laughs> made a spreadsheet, actually, um, with all the command words on it oh, from the AQA website okay. for science. And then they've hyperlinked them to exam questions. Oh, interesting. all the past paper exam questions so they link. I'll tell you, do you know what? I'll tell you what's fascinating yeah. about that is that there's a danger, isn't there, that when you think about putting a mark together you think purely in terms of topics and concepts Mm. but a command word may mean that a topic that's actually pretty accessible to the kids all of a sudden because Mm. of that word they don't know how to do that particular question so it's just as important to make sure you're assessing the the command words themselves as it is the topics themselves yeah totally see if you can help me with this ellie because this is the other thing i've struggled with Um, having spoken to aqa it's blown my mind just how much thought goes into the sequencing of the questions and what question follows what making Mm. sure as wide of the domain is assessed as possible there's not too much emphasis in one subject area compared to another now when i used to just pick questions i'll have a bit of a question from there one from there one from there I, i wasn't thinking through all this kind of stuff so is there a danger that when we pull apart these papers and start putting in our own questions that that we lose a bit of the validity or is is that not as much of a concern no it is a concern you do have to keep the structure of the exam pretty similar to the real thing i mean what what's really useful for us actually is when we do um we use a lot of the caboodle tests as well. All oh, right, okay. The, well, what, the I'm not familiar with those. They're like end of topic tests with right. GCSE. So um, we've got caboodle and they're quite useful. And we have our mocks as well. What we tend to do is we do something called question level analysis. All oh, right. So where the subject teacher will actually mark the exam paper. Yes. And then they will actually, on a spreadsheet, write down how many of the questions the students got right, how okay. many students they got wrong. And we use that information um, to establish what our students know, what our students don't know. And we I actually see. share that in exams. So it's not just like this kid's got 70%, this got kids got 60%. No. It's, it's finer detail. It's finer detail. Going back to the question level analysis, once you've done one of these, how does that then influence what how you would put a subsequent mock exam together? So there's two things. Quite often the question level analysis, obviously we do one for foundation, we do one for the higher paper. Mm. 
that information is usually used to um, prepare the walking, talking marks right, where they're okay. only given a couple of questions in a hall mm. and we target like specific areas of the specification. Mm. Um, however, if there are particular areas, so I don't know, electromagnetism, right. the students really don't understand. Me neither, then, so this is, when I what we, <laughs> <laughs> Then what we would do is we'd put a question in there, maybe even extended answer questions okay. and maths in there to really test our students to make sure that any revision that we'd put in place was actually being effective, yes. where the teaching was being effective. I see. So would it be fair to say that in that case following a question level analysis, you're not, in the subsequent like mock exam or walking, talking mock, you're not looking to cover the entire domain of the of the, of the science curriculum. You're focusing in, it, it, focusing in on areas that you know they've struggled with. So yeah. it's using these these previous results to inform how you put together assessments going forward. Is, is that fair? Yeah, it is. And what's also quite useful is when you read the examiner's report. Yes. So yes. they're really, really good because what you don't want to do is you don't want your students to fall into the same trap mm. that previous students did. So... I particularly for A-level, I mean, yeah. I even share that with the students. So yes, my, the yes. homework I sent my A-level biologist last week involved doing questions, green pen marking their questions, yeah. reading the examiner's nice. report at the back, making sure they hadn't fallen into the same trap. And then what we do is we bring that back, we share our answers, we talk through them, which is really good with an A-level class. With GCC, you have to do that work for them. Yes. So what we do is we do a lot of sharing practice. So for chemistry last week, I put up two... Um, answers on the board. There wasn't names, those answers. They were actually from the, the year before, not right. from the current yeah. year. Yeah. And then we discussed the marks. We looked at the examiner's commentary. Yeah. We we said what the students did well, what the students didn't do so well. And then actually we get the students to actually produce a green pen marking for those students, how they would actually improve their grade, what they what could do better. What do you mean better. by green, green pen marking? So, so what so what I I will do if I if I mark an exam I, I'll mark the exam for the students and a lot of that is ticks and crosses yeah, and yeah. and allocating marks. What I'll then do is I will give the students back their papers and then what I will do is I'll project the mark scheme on the board. Yes. I'll talk them through each question. We we, we do we break it down to to the backbone. We yeah. we'll um. We talk about the actual content. We do a little bit of teaching in that. It can take sometimes mm. two hours to do that with a paper wow. and do it well. Wow. And, it, and it does impact a lot on time. But, sure. it, but it is such a useful exercise. And the kids get a lot from it. Because if you if you just hand back the papers and say, this is your mock exam, yeah. this is how well you've done. Yeah. Um, it's not particularly useful. Yeah, they it, just look at the score and that's That's, that's what it, they're right? interested in. Yeah. And I, do, I purposely hold back on giving them a grade until after we've done that. Oh, that's Because, yeah, we talk all about what um, how, how the mark scheme works and how actually 70% might be an A one year, but it yeah, won't be an A the change. next year. But I hold back the grade until we've finished that. And then the students look at look at the paper more thoroughly. It's, it's quite a nice tool. That's interesting. So, so take me back to this mock creation process. So you've you've been thinking about the topics that you want to include, informed by the question level analysis, and also trends that perhaps you've spotted in, in previous papers. Um, what happens next practically? How do you put this mock together? Is it is it just you? Are there other teachers involved? How how does that work? When I was a head of science, I would work with my key stage coordinators. Mm. I wouldn't work with the whole department. Right. How, um, how come? Occasionally. 
you allowed teachers. And I, I, I'm not even sure if it's if it's a deliberate action on their part, yep. but sometimes you'll find people will actually teach to the mop. Yeah, I've been there. And I've been there. It's, it's hard not to though, right? If you know something's coming up, it, like how do you get that out of your head? It's, it is. It is really, really hard, and it is really, really <laughs> difficult. And have a revision program set up in advance where you have the questions that you're going to cover. You have the content you're going to cover. Yes. It. It covers the specification. It covers all the points and you keep to that. stick to that. And, you know, it is difficult because (laughs) the temptation is there. Of course. But but no, you can't because you don't do the children any favours at the end of the day. It's not the right thing for them and it loses all validity of the mock. The mock becomes useless. Absolutely. The mock is there as a tool to show you what you've taught well, what you haven't taught so well, what topics need to be covered again. And, And if you give the students the answers, I mean, there's no point of doing the mock. No, that's right. And, you know, with the increasing number of exams in schools, I mean, mock exam time is crazy in schools. Yeah. Because you've got, I mean, for combined science, you've got six examinations. Wow. We do in year 11 and year 13, you're doing three mock periods. Oh, is that right? What, what, so, what, are they, what are they happening? So you would do them, so quite often you will do the exams end of November, beginning of December. Yeah, yeah. And then if the students haven't done so well, you'll have other mocks at sort of end of January. Yes. And then quite often you have them again in March. Yeah. So you've, you've got that, you've, it's a balancing act. It's yes. between taking time out from the curriculum yes. to ensure that yes. you know you do the mocks and you do them well and the yes. rehearsal is in there but also allowing enough time to cover the content yeah. because you've got you know so much more content now to the new GCSEs they're so heavy in terms of content compared to the previous ones yes. so it is it's a really fine balancing act God, I mean I, I thought the main thing was was writing these mocks but that's just the start isn't it it's, it is it's getting the topics right it's getting the command words right it's getting the access arrangements right it's making sure they don't leak to the kids they don't leak to the, the oh, students yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. unbelievable isn't it yeah. um, final question then Ellie just on that I have a colleague I won't I won't name his name here, but um, he 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 refuses to give his students mock exams, right? So the first time they sit a GCSE under exam conditions is in the actual GCSE, right? And his argument is some of the things we've talked about, you can't write a valid mark. It takes flipping ages to do it. It's massive um, removal or reduction of curriculum time because kids are out doing the mocks um, so they're not learning. Um, it's loads of marking for staff. It's making up grey boundaries left, right and centre. So he says, forget it. Let me stick to teaching them as well I can and then they'll be much better prepared by the time that they sit the exam. What, what, what do you, I mean, I can see you shaking your head. What, what are you saying to him? Um, well, I think you're really um you're setting the kids up for a huge fall mm. because um i mean there are so many benefits of doing a mock exam i mean you even have like the shock of the mock the ch- the children aren't even, i mean we call it the shock of the mock because sometimes that's a, almost the I don't want to say kick out the backside, but but it is. Yeah, it's a kick out the backside that the students need to get them revising. Yes. And again, if if you don't put them in that situation, if they don't have that practice, if they don't have that rehearsal, mm. you don't know how that child is going to do in a mock. You can have the best student, an A grade student that is constantly giving you hundred percent all year round. You put them in that exam, the panic kicks in. Yes. They can't cope with being in that particular exam room. They haven't had that practice. They haven't set up those. Those, those um, retrieval cues. Yes, yes. I think the kids will be hugely disadvantaged and it is hard work, but 
teaching's hard work and <laughs> and running a department is hard work and running a school is even harder work. But, you know, it it's part of the job and you have to do it and you have to do what's best for the students. And, and there is a compromise. And when you have a subject which has got a lot of content like science and there are other subjects that are very, very similar, yep. history, huge amount of content, yep. there's other ways of doing it. I mean, I know some schools that put the mocks on after school. Oh, right. I mean, they do them after school, so it doesn't take the yes. time away. But then you've got the fatigue effect with the students. They're tired. Of course. They're not going to perform of as well. Of course. Um, it, it, it's, it's difficult. Tricky. It's difficult. And, you know, and one size doesn't fit all. And you've got to do what works well for your students in your school. So well, I'll tell you what, Ellie, you've sold me on the importance of mocks, but you've also opened my eyes even wider to the complexities that are involved in in writing them and, and getting them right. I found this absolutely fascinating. Mm. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time. Lovely to meet you. Well, I have to say I'm impressed by Ellie's methodical approach to creating mock papers that'll really test her students. She's absolutely right to want to make her papers just as robust as the exam boards make theirs. I'll be back in a fortnight, getting answers to more of your questions. But in the meantime, make sure you rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can also join the conversation and ask your own questions on Twitter using hashtag InsideExams. Until next time, goodbye.